Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Culture Club. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time with Elliot Danka, Timothy Go, and Chuan Tian Tian. Time now for Culture Club. And, you know, with the rise of ride hailing apps and FMB delivery service, as well as, you know, that black swan event called COVID 19, it's no surprise that the gig economy has really gained traction here in Singapore. In fact, the gig economy is expected to keep growing as Singaporeans start to embrace flexible work options and opt for freelance work for more income. Yet, many gig workers say they're forced to work long hours for low pay and few benefits. So we saw an announcement at Budget 2023. Gig workers in food delivery services will now be insured against workplace injuries and they will receive CPF payments. How will this improve the standard of living for these workers? At the same time, how will it impact the cost of operations for food delivery platforms? Online with me this afternoon is Jonathan Lim, co-founder and CEO of Audel. Jonathan, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good, sir. Let's talk about the gig economy. It is growing. Uh, it's the concept of not being in a typical office space. What's your personal observation with regard to the gig economy and the growth that it's seen over the past few years? Right. So I think what we've seen in the last few years is the gig economy has given rise to a lot of business opportunities. And generally, the gig workers like the freedom, you know, and the sense of freedom and they can choose when they work, there's flexibility. So, you know, I think it has given a lot of people access to capital, right? Because they can now work during their free time. And I think you mentioned COVID earlier. Yeah. It would have been way tougher if not for the presence of gig economy. We know of people who have taken pay cards and got laid off and they leverage on this freelance work to tie through these difficult times. Actually, it's also about like training the consumers of the gig economy like myself, you know, if I, if I constantly order off uh, delivery platforms. That's right. I think just to add on, we know of retirees who are freelance food delivery drivers and they'll pick up the assignment while they're on their way back from their own dinners. And I think this is a great help, especially for an industry that's uh, severely understaffed. But of course, you know, the downside is well documented, right? So there's a lack of employee benefits and there's a perceived lack of financial security. So some of them definitely they will face challenges securing loans for home purchases or any big ticket items. Coming out of COVID, now that we're in this endemic phase, I thought it would be a challenge for things like, you know, ordering food online to continue to take off, that people want to go back into restaurants. But it doesn't quite seem to be the case. Help me understand, what are you observing here? Is it still a challenge for these guys? I think when it comes to food delivery, the number of orders have definitely gone down naturally because back then during the lockdown or circuit breaker, the only way for us to gain access to food is through delivery. I think food industry in general, it is driven by dining business. But what we have seen over the past few reopenings is that the consumers seem to have taken to the idea that, you know, ordering food in for big gatherings is becoming a trend. So while the volume, number of orders are going down, but the size of each order is going up, if that makes sense to you. Okay, so it's like uh, people are planning their food a bit more. Yes, that's right. Hmm, interesting. Diving into this other side of the gig economy, you've got announcements that the government will give a 75% offset to the increase in the CPF contributions in the first year that they are phased into this whole CPF scheme. I mean, we've already had a budget announcement. We've had the COS in parliament. What is your understanding of this? And does it indicate a right direction to boost that financial security for gig economy workers? I think it's quite clear that the policy is, the intentions are great, right? So they're protecting the financial security of these gig economy workers. I think the impact of this increase in CPF for gig workers, you know, the first thing we need to do is to look at the profile 
of economy workers. So the first kind are those that are in for quick cash, yeah. right? So, you know, they're in for the short run, so they will look past the long-term benefits. Okay. So on the supply side, we might lose them because they're in for a quick cash. So the second kind, these are the people that enjoy flexibility and independence. They're in for the long run. I think the policy would be great for this kind of people. The third kind of profile, these are the retirees or people who are supplementing their income. I think there's no difference to them. Right. Right. So on the supply side, I think we will lose a little bit of people for who are there for the short run. Yeah, but I think long run, it benefits people who are serious about doing this economy work long term. Yeah, they really want that flexibility That's right. uh, in that sense. Is there a fourth kind? I'm going to try my luck here, Jonathan. And the fourth kind being the ones that want to earn money without contributing to CPF. They have no care for it. They just pay maybe for their Medisafe because that's mandatory and and that's it. They can yeah, keep so, all their so, cash. So these are the first kind that I'm talking about. So they're in for the quick cash. So these quick will be students, okay, okay. Uh, you know, people that are, they work when they need the cash. Right, right. right. And these uh, are so, the ones we're likely to lose as a result of this scheme. Yeah, so, so it depends, right? Because mm. so if they're desperate enough for the cash, they might work hard enough. Sure, compensate yeah. with more jobs. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's uh, right. Simple that's math, true. right? So in terms of, with this adjustment of CPF contribution rates, right? Does this affect, I mean, it sounds like a stupid question, but does this affect business costs in turn? Does it affect us as consumers? So just to give everyone some perspective, right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, what is going to happen is that the food delivery platforms are going to bear the cost of all these additional benefits, right? So we're talking about 17% increment. Yeah. For a business that is driven heavily by humans, right? So 17% is a huge number. The good thing here is that the government has given them to adapt to this additional load. I believe it's a gradual step up of 3.5% for the next four years. The outcome, I think it's somewhat predictable. We can probably map out the scenarios. There will likely be less incentives for drivers. Yeah. There'll be less promos, discounts for consumers. The other way to make up for the cost is actually to charge a little bit higher for restaurants, mm-hmm. which in turn could mean higher costs for the consumers. Right. I think the trend that we see here over the last five years with the crazy money going to the gig economy businesses, yeah, is yeah. it gives the perception that food delivery is actually, uh, you can actually get food cheaper when you order in rather than going out to dine at the restaurant. But the truth is food delivery is a premium service. You're buying convenience. Yeah. It comes at a cost. I think that moving forward, this is going to be challenging for the food delivery platforms to maneuver this. I guess some people think they don't need to pay for a service charge. Huh? <laughs> Maybe they're saving there, but that's not true, right? And as if a 1% GST increase was not enough, but this looks like the inflation picture though. I just want to dive back to that earlier point. You're talking about losing supply as a result of this, right? I don't know. Do you see any help coming in in terms of trying to retain more of these gig economy workers? Is this something worth a conversation? I think by virtue of the fact that it's freelance, it's down to the free will of the workers, right? So, yeah, that's the thing, yeah. Yeah, so I think the challenge that some of these platforms have is really how, how do you... So incentives play a big part in retaining these workers. Yeah. So people who are in for the short run, they will look past the long-term benefit. I think these are the people that, that the, the food delivery platforms need to be quite creative in retaining them. Mm. How do you see consumer demands shifting as more people head out, platforms fighting for market share? Do you see this trend continue to rise? And the fact that you've got travel as well, right, in full swing. So at least for my company, Auto, yeah. we've decided to move for. So long run, they're always quite clear that maybe will be driven by dining business, right? So we have moved into the dining space. And I think generally when it comes to food delivery, everyone's going back to work. If you walk around CBD during lunch, it's crazily packed. So I think if you are still trying to incentivize people to order in for food delivery, you are working against the tide. 
right? Mm. So I think, and especially now that I think the market is looking for profitability, I suspect what will happen is the food delivery companies will, will actually not spend as much in promos to get mm. these consumers to continue spending. Mm-hmm. Actually, personally, I was a big user of Audible throughout the pandemic. Thank you very much. Able to enjoy some really good food that you crave, that you could be in that restaurant, right? And I thought it was a great business model, a great lifeline given. Now that we're out, and this is a company-centric question, do you see your growth sort of affected? So we moved into the dining business. In 2021, we started asking ourselves, what is life like after COVID? Okay. Uh, we were very clear that food is going to be a dining-driven business, right? So, so we moved into reservations, we moved into QR ordering, we move into credit card terminals. Right. So the value that we have created for the industry today, meaning the, the volume that we've generated, what we generate today is way more than what we did in COVID during the height of the pandemic. Because of dining, everyone's going out. That's right. Right. That's right. Really capitalizing on what it used to be in that sense. I mean, you use the phrase, you believe that food is a dine-in type of industry. If I were to ask you, food delivery business industry, what does it need to do to transform, you know, and to continue to enjoy those benefits that it, that it used to have? Yeah, so we realize this thing, right? So again, we are very restaurant-centric. We think about demand of the restaurant or from the restaurant's perspective. So what we realize is that typically restaurants are, picked at about 7 p.m. So what that means is between 5 to 6.30, they're usually half empty. And this is actually when they can leverage on deliveries because when you order for delivery, the food is slightly prepared slightly earlier. So you can sort of increase the kitchen capacity just slightly before the dinner kick. So in this case, you can increase the productivity of the kitchen. Okay, so that also depends on people ordering ordering early as well because I know a lot of people sit in front of the computer and then, hey, wait a minute, it's past dinner time. I need to find a restaurant. Wait, all the restaurants are closed and that's another problem for another day, I suppose. (laughs) But when it comes to auto, it's always about preparing the meal in advance, thinking about the best restaurants you're thinking of. So I guess for us, we don't have that problem. Yeah, is it a challenge though? I mean, you talk about preparing the meals in advance and I like that about you guys. Is it a challenge to educate consumers to know that you need to plan your meals in advance? So what we sort of analyze over the last two, three years is that you can't fight the consumer behavior. Yeah, okay. There will be John at home who's hungry (laughs) and you order from a grab and Deliveroo and Food Panda. Yeah. And there's also John organizing a family gathering at my house yeah. and I'll plan in advance, right? So it's just different occasions and I think the different platforms serve different needs for the consumers, right? Yeah, so I guess it, it's not so much of educating the restaurant, the consumers, but more of making sure that the demands are being met through the different services available. Okay. I've been speaking with Jonathan Lim, the co-founder and CEO of Audle. Jonathan, I appreciate your time today. Take care and have a great Thursday evening. Thank you. You too. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.